Please open your Bibles to 2 Peter. 2 Peter. It's towards the back if you're new to the Scripture. Go to Revelation all the way to the back and start going left just a little bit. If you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles in front of you, in the seats in front of you, and I would really recommend opening it or opening on your phone so you can follow along. Um, the way this passage is set up, uh, it's important to pay attention to the actual words. Let's pray. Lord, we are here because we've been drawn here. Maybe there's some of us here that don't even know why we're here. But Lord, uh, for those that know you and know your desire to draw us to yourself, we're confident that we're here because you've brought us here. And so, Lord, what we want to happen today is something outside of us, you, to be influencing us and changing us and making us into your image bearers in greater capacities into even the image of your Son. And Lord, it's your word that is a vehicle for that. It is your spirit that it makes that effectual in our life. And so, Lord, we, we bend our knee to you in our hearts and our minds that you might uh, do a good work in each of us today. It's in your sons and we pray. Amen. Second Peter. So I'm going to be uh, teaching this Sunday and next Sunday. And this is going to be a two-parter, and so we're not going to go far next week. We're going to stay right here. But I want to start off by asking a question. Are you bored? Do you get bored by the basics? Basic things, fundamental things. Do you, are you like me? <laughs> Do you get bored of those things? Basic, uh, it's defined as essential facts or principles of a subject or skill. The fundamental is pertaining to the foundation of something. And so often, our hearts are prone to go past the basics into whatever's next. We want to get off the basic principles as quickly as we can and move on to the next. I'm not really familiar with Pinterest, to be honest. But my wife tells me that there's videos out there of Pinterest fails. Have you, some of you women seen those? Where you go on and you try to do this nice fancy thing that you saw on Pinterest but you didn't remember the basics. And there's a testimony of failure. I think about it in terms of learning other languages. And I know there's many in here that speak a different language and need to learn or trying to learn English to a better degree. And when we try to get to conversations without working on the basics, we get tripped up. You guys following what I'm saying? Moving past the basics? A really obvious one that many of us, including myself, need to keep into account is health and wellness. You know, what is that one thing that's going to change me and make me healthy again? Instead of focusing on the basics of just sweat. Just go out there and sweat. Somehow. It doesn't really matter. Or don't eat garbage. How about that? You know? Like, it's we want to move on to the the exact formula and, and nitpick those details and we leave the basics behind. 
The one that enters into my house very often is taking care of the house. How quickly do we want to remodel and open up a wall and add an addition, have an addition on instead of just like tidying up at the end of the day, right? Like th- th- this is, what is, whatever is going on with our hearts, it feels like it's a universal thing. We want to move past the basics. The most, the one that is easiest for me to understand is sports. Many of you guys know I come from a, a, an athletic background in terms of vocation. And I've noticed as I've moved from level to level from whether it's like, you know, kids or, or high school level or college level or even into the professionals, the biggest separator as you go from one thing to the other is not raw talent or genetics, which I think is most commonly what we think. They've just been born that way. They're gifted in that. And so that's how they got to that level. That's not been my experience. What I've seen as people make it to the next level and spending some time in the professional sports is that the, to the, the degree to which you give, to an athlete gives constant attention and concerted focus to mastering the fundamentals is what makes them able to move into the next level. So you'd have these professional athletes doing this same drill I did in middle school football, and they're focused on every aspect of that drill and trying to master that drill, master the details of that drill to make them into the player that would lead them into the Hall of Fame. There's some um, coaches that are really well known for this. You guys ever heard of Vince Lombardi? Yeah. So Vince Lombardi would start every preseason with holding up a football and say, this is a football. And he's talking to NFL players. And he would start, this is a football. This is the point of football. This is how you block. This is how you tackle. And these guys would be rolling their eyes at him, but... Then he would also go on to win championship after championship after championship because his team was founded on the basics. John Wooden, you guys ever heard of him? He would teach his players how to put on their socks and shoes. I'm not kidding you because he knew that if they got blisters, they couldn't practice. If they couldn't practice, they couldn't get the basics. If they couldn't get the basics, they couldn't win championships. I think he went on to win 12 college basketball championships. These guys know the basics matter. Well, I give all that big intro because the Apostle Peter, as we look into 2 Peter today, the Apostle Peter viewed spiritual training in very much the same way. The coach can't be on the field doing it for the athletes, right? They can't go do it for them. They have to give them what they need and then trust that what they've given them in practice will translate to the game. It must be ingrained in the athlete so when the competition comes, it's what the the muscle memory just moves, right? It's, It's instinctual, and that's what the coach is trying to do. And the Apostle Peter knows that his coaching days are coming to a close when he writes this letter. So today and next week, we're going to look at this letter, and we're going to look at what he thinks is the most important thing to leave to those that he is spiritually training. I'm going to give you a hint. It's the basics. Look down at chapter 1, verses 12 to 15. 
He says, therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon. That means he's expecting to die soon, if you didn't catch that. As our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to, him, clear to me, and I will make every effort so that, what's the reason he's reminding? So that after my departure, you may be able to, at any time, to recall these things. Muscle memory. That this would be the thing that comes out in the day-to-day because it's been ingrained into those that he's training. So we have to ask the question. We're kind of jumping in. and we're, So I do that so we can ask the obvious question. What are the these things in verse 15, you may be able, to, able at any time to recall these things. He wants to do that even though, in verse 12, he says, they know them, right? He says, to remind you of these qualities that you know and are already established. This isn't new information to those that he's even writing to. This is something that he's confident that they know, and not only that they know it, but he already feels like it's part of him. And he only has days left, weeks left, months left, whatever. He doesn't expect to live very long. And instead of moving on to the next subject, he's just going back to it. It's got to be important. So what are the these things? Let's go back up and start at verse 3. Hopefully you're looking down at the scripture. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. That's a lot. That's a Thanksgiving meal if you're eating scripture. You could spend months unpacking this. And I hope that you do, during this week, start to ask the Lord, okay, I know he didn't get to everything that you have for me here. Would you let me eat a little bit more of this? Would you let me feast on this a little bit more? Would it it fill me up during the week? So ask the Lord that this week, because we're going to go back into it next week. But why am I excited about this passage? I'm excited about this passage because it reminds me that the gospel is for right now, okay? We often hear the gospel, and maybe we swing one of two ways. We swing to forgiveness, that the gospel is for my, all my sins of the past being forgiven in Christ. And that is true. The gospel is for that. Or maybe we swing the other direction. We think about the future. The gospel is all about the eternity that I have with the Lord in heaven. And that's what, we, that's what we think about. This passage reminds us that the gospel is for right now. And that excites me. The fundamentals to know what God provides to us and how he provides it to us. What he provides and how he provides it. So we're going to go line by line with these two verses. Okay, we're not going far. Verse 3, in the beginning, 
This is the first proposition. He says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So, what has been provided for us? Granted to us. The word there is granted. What has been provided? Oh, this is excellent. We have the answer. His divine power. Whose divine power? God's divine power has been granted to you. Hear this out. God's divine power. Think about God's power, not your power, or the power that you see in this world. Think about God's power to create the heavens and the earth. His divine power has been granted to us. And what is the use of this power to be? He says that it is for, the divine power that he grants to us is for all things that pertain to life and to godliness. All things. You might say that as anything that pertains to life and godliness. So that's time, life, now, and eternal life. Okay, that's, so the first part is time, and then that power is for that entire time, and that power is for the quality of that time, that it's to be represented by, by godliness, a love for the things of God, and walking in the ways of God. And he's going to describe that further in the next verse. He describes it in that verse as partaking of the divine nature. So this, this is it, right? A power, God's power, a power so great that it transforms someone like you and I into someone like God. That's big, right? We're seeing this. We're seeing how this might be important for us. Does anyone feel like they walk around like God? But this is the promise. Okay, so notice about this first proposition. When it comes to things of life and godliness, everything, right, he says all things, all things come from outside of us. We need that reminder, don't we? When it comes to things of life and godliness, none of it is within ourselves, and all of it comes from without ourselves. It comes from God. His divine power is granted to us for all things that pertain to life and godliness. And how that meets us where we start to recognize when we're trusting in our own strength to produce godliness. It doesn't come from within us. It comes from without us. Also notice this amazing generosity of God. Tell me if you've heard this before. Of which of you, if his son asks him for bread will give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? You guys heard that before? That's talking about the generosity of God. And he makes this simple connection. You earthly fathers don't give your kids snakes to play with. I mean, maybe some of you weirdos do. 
I don't mess with snakes. You get the picture there, right? If you can do such a good job giving gifts to your children, do you think God might be better at it? And he's talking about what does he provide? His divine power. All right, so we start getting a little excited. This power, this man Peter speaks of. I would like some of that. How do I do that? How do I receive that power? Well, let's watch. Verse 3, again, what's that, word, what's that first word in that second half of it? Through. That tells us how it comes to us, right? That's what that word means. This is the vehicle. This is the, the channel by which this power comes. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Through that, that's the key word, the knowledge of God. Now, we start to think, okay, that just means I need to know more facts about who God is. And we all know that that's not truly what knowledge is. The knowledge that we're talking about here is not a head knowledge or like a trivia knowledge, like you know something about a celebrity. Right? You, you know some facts about this celebrity and, and maybe what movies they're in and, and uh, the things that they like. But do you know that celebrity like you're married to them? No. That's the, the knowledge that we're talking about is more what the kind, of married, the kind of knowledge you might find in a spouse from one to the other. It's not just facts. There's an experiential knowledge. I know what this person's like in all things. We, you know, my wife and I talk about the, the, the funny thing that happens in a marriage in the great exchange where one spouse starts to even act like the other spouse and vice versa over time. There's a, such a unifying, such a knowledge of each other that you almost start to become each other. And that's the type of knowledge that we're saying. It's not through more facts. The power doesn't come through more facts. You can do better on Bible trivia. It comes through knowing God. So how does this knowing begin to happen? Well, again, it's right there for us. We're called to it. The knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. The knowing of him even starts with him. It doesn't start with us. He calls us to that knowing and our response and so he is the primary source of even that knowing be giving, getting to happen. And on what basis does God call us? We're, we better be grateful for this one. It's on the basis of his own glory and excellence, not your glory and excellence. What if God called us only according to our own glory and excellence? None of us are here right now. We're all getting ready for Sunday football. Right? But he did call us based on his glory and excellence, which is a much greater, not even in the same category. So the basis is him, the calling to it is him, and the knowledge is about him. It's all God. This whole part, this whole today, is we're just talking about, when we think about what God provides for us, we're just thinking about it's all him. 
It is all him. Next week, we'll talk about our part. But today, it is all him. So he doesn't call us according to our glory and excellence. While we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. Notice that he does want to be known. Would you guys agree with that? That God wants to be known? You think about this. He's the God of creation. He says in Romans 1 that we can know a bit about him through just by looking at creation. He wants to be known through looking at creation. He wants us to look at creation and be like, that must have a creator. And that creator is pretty powerful. So he wants to be known through creation. We have this thing. You guys ever seen this thing? This is a pretty good example that God wants to be known. His word that is living and active. He wants to be known because the thing we celebrate at Christmas, that Jesus came down from heaven out of the glory of the Father, and he would come to earth to be the exact imprint of the nature of God. God wants to be known. And then we see in even Revelation that the way he's even known also is by the work he does in each of you. In the saints. Where it says the testimony of the saints gives glory to God. God wants to be known. We see that here. And also notice this one. This one's for us. Won't we try knowledge of pretty much anything else before we try knowledge of God? We're need, we, we need power. We, we feel like we're missing something. We need, we need something that's outside of us, and we will look to know about pretty much everything else, including ourselves, before we reach for knowledge of God. But he's saying that's where the power comes from. It comes through knowledge of me. Not me. God. Right? You got that? Knowing yourself isn't a bad thing. You guys would agree with that, right? Those that are blind to themselves, it's not a good way to walk. But even knowing yourself isn't the primary thing. Knowing God is. Tozer said this, In Christ and by Christ, God affects complete self-disclosure. Although he shows himself not to reason, but to faith and love. He, says, he goes on to say, faith is an organ of knowledge. It's how you know through faith. And then love is an organ of experience. That's what's next. Let's keep going into verse 4 now. By which, okay, you see everything's connected here, right? We're, we're, we're switching verses, but it's the same thought. And it's, we keep following as he goes deeper and deeper into this thought by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises that so through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. So that by which, that's, that's the connection, right? Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us. So what is he referring to? How do these precious and very great promises come to us? By his glory and excellence. Uh, who's it starting with? Who's it ending with? 
It's all God. So these precious and very great promises. You guys have this on your bumper sticker, right? In your, on, your, on your refrigerator somewhere? You guys, know, you guys heard this before? The precious and very great promises? That is how his glory and excellence are revealed to us. So what are these precious and very great promises? Well, before we talk about, I'm going to give you some examples of some in a, in a moment, in a couple moments, towards the end. How about that? Towards the end, I'm going to give you some examples. But it would be, it would be good for us to talk about the promise, right? Like, I think I've said this from the front. I, I probably have a real big issue with Ohio State University. But I really despise how they say the Ohio State University. Like they're the only thing in a, okay, let's, let's get a drink of water. But there is the promise from which all other promises are based. It's almost like the promise, the promise that is central is like the roots and trunk of the tree, okay? And then it, it gives birth to and, and fruit of all these other precious and very great promises that come from it, right? Does that make sense to you? And the promise is, of course, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. The, that he is the fountainhead. And the, you, the mystery of the ages that was revealed that the triune God united us in him. The triune God unites us into him through Jesus' life, death, resurrection, ascension, and his glorification. And there's a lot there, and hopefully you can unpack that later. But that is where all other promises come from. Jesus. He is the author and the perfecter of our faith. He is the one, like the, the rescue plan of God for us to be united with God is his son. And so all promises get their life through him. Revelation 5.9, I think we have this up here so you don't have to flip there. But I want to show you that Christ is that central figure. Worthy are you, talking to Christ, worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. This is the promise from which all of their promises get their life. So what is the purpose of these promises? So that. You guys see the so that in verse 4? So that. That's a purpose statement. This is the reason for it. What are the reasons for these promises? So that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. Faith in these promises and the promiser, that's important, Okay, we're, we can't divide the promises from the promiser. Faith in the promises and the promiser would be 
the way to experience the power that he promised in verse 3. And that power is seen in partnership, communion with, and the essential nature of God himself. You guys, have you heard the word koinonia? Shake your head if you've heard the word koinonia. Shake, no, yes, no. Koinonia, it's a Greek word that means fellowship or partnership or communion, and that is that word partaker. Okay? So you may have, you may have communion with the divine nature, and that's a very close-knit uh, partnership. Okay? And he's saying that the, the, the reason for these precious and very great promises isn't to make you feel better about yourself. It's so that you can be like God. That's the purpose of them. So notice real quick these, these words, precious and very great. These are words for value, precious, and enormity, very great. Mountains are enormous. Would you agree? Not very precious, though. Diamonds, very precious. Very big? No. The promises, God is saying they're both. They have value and value as, big, as vast as a mountain range. Precious as a diamond, as big as a mountain. Let's, let's uh, continue on to the second part of chapter or verse 4. Okay, so we have, let me just get us together, okay? We're kind of breaking up a lot. His divine power has been provided, granted to you. How does that come to you? Through that marriage, marital knowledge of him, experiential knowledge of him. What comes with that knowledge? Because of his glory and excellence, promises, precious and very great promises come, and they have a purpose to make you like the essential nature of God himself, to change you, to transform you. That's the purpose of them. And he says this, so that's, that's almost what we would say going towards the positive part. This is what the promises do in you in a positive sense. But there's a negative to that as well. There's a, the opposite to that. And verse 4b is what we have. Not only have you become a partaker of the divine nature, but you've also escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. This is the other side of being a partaker of divine, of the divine nature. Fellowship with the divine nature. The death from one, the world, you guys see that, right? Verse 4b, the corruption that is in the world through, because of sinful desire, Death from that is what gives life to being a partaker of the divine knowledge, divine nature. You, these have to be mutually exclusive. There cannot be a coexisting here. Okay, death from one is life to the other, and life from one is death to the other. I think about this in that in the way that the Gospels describe the seed. You guys uh, may be familiar with that. I don't have the um, 
uh, I think it's in John somewhere, but I don't have the exact reference, but the idea that the seed dies in the soil, right? The seed has to have its death, and its death is really the only way it can be brought to its truest form. The death of the seed is the only way that it can grow, in a sense, to becoming what it was always made to be, a mature and productive plant. You guys see that how the death and the life, like, it, it, it's, he's saying that all this, this power, this through the knowledge, through uh, the precious and very great promises, all that is meant to translate you from the domain of darkness into the domain of light. Like it says in Colossians, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred or translated us into the kingdom of his beloved son. So the seed dies in the soil only to be made in its truest form. So here we have two verses. I'm excited about these verses because they remind me that the gospel is for today. And so maybe by just by way of example, some ways precious and very great promises that are born out of the greatest promise, the promiser of that promise, how, they, how do they enter into your life today? How do you take them, how do you, what are they, and how do you then apply them to your life so that you can walk as a partaker in fellowship with the essential nature of God himself? I'm going to give you a, this, is, this might sound like a topical, like you flipped, you know in the Gideon's Bibles, maybe some of you open a Gideon's Bible where it has like, here's what your problem is, go to this first. You guys ever seen one of those? Okay. It's going to sound a little bit like that. I'm hoping to clarify that at the end. But are you dealing with loneliness? Single parent. Lonely. Maybe even in a marriage, you feel lonely. Loneliness. What is a precious and very great promise of God that, that is applied to that loneliness that draws us into his nature? John 14 says, Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we this is a, think about this as a promise. If you feel like you are alone in life, we will come to him and make our home with him. That's a promise that God gives to us that is precious, it's valuable, and it's enormous. Why would God come live with me? Are you living in sin right now? You know you are practicing things that are not pleasing to the Lord. Are you, are you, is that where you're at? Colossians 2 says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, 
God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. He throws him as far as the east is from the west. And that is a promise that you're going to want to hold on to. So that you don't get ensnared by your sin and the guilt of your sin. Are you troubled by the world around you? The way things are going? Feel good about things? It's like, oh, this is going swell. Maybe it's not even things like of politics and, and outside, you know, maybe it's even closer. Maybe your life's falling apart in shambles and Jesus says, peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Do you feel how that might relieve someone? Might draw someone closer to the Lord rather than further? That's the power of these promises. Maybe... This is going to be the last one. Are you weary? Are you weary about walking with the Lord? Are you weary about seeing transformation happen in your life? Or the people around you? Walking with unsaved family members or having a prodigal in your life, you know, a, a wayward child seeing the effects of drugs or alcohol in your life? Is this causing weariness? The scripture says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness. But what is he? He's patient towards you. Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And one of my favorite verses of all of Scripture, Luke 19 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Do you see how the promises aren't just for life eternal? You guys are hopefully seeing that, right? It's not just about your, uh, your sins being forgiven. It's about giving you something today that gives you a power that's outside of yourself. To be a nature that is divine, that is outside of yourself. And it comes from knowing your Lord and your Savior. It does not come from some super secret knowledge that you have to watch a bunch of YouTube videos about or read a bunch of books about. It does not come from even living some like super righteous version of Christianity. Acquaint yourself with God personally. Do you know God personally? Not, not things about him. 
Do you know him in a way that you know he knows you and you're growing to know him? That is how the power comes. That is how the divine power comes, through the knowledge of him who calls us. It's not a secret. The simplicity of it is acquaint yourself with God. Acquaint yourself with God. How do you spend time with people in a way that gets to know them better? You want to get to know someone. What would you do? Would you start Wikipediaing them? Or would you spend time with them? That is how knowledge forms. That is how knowledge forms. If you want, some, you want your life to look something of pow, the power of God, the nature of God, if, you, if, if you're drawn to have your life ex, uh, express that power, it doesn't come from anything else except knowing the Savior. That is it. So let's pray. Father, you are, you are the primary source here. We cannot claim the beginning of any of these things. And Lord, in this, this small paragraph, there's things that are too too great for us to comprehend. And so we don't, we don't think we've come to the end of understanding what is in here just by this 40 minutes or so. And we ask you to continue to grow us, continue to teach us, continue to call us into your glory and excellence. That we might know you in a real and practical and per personal way. We might know you in a way that we feel naked before you. Lord, it's your, it's your spirit that does this work and we want to we want to have a humility before you that opens kind of lets down the wall opens up the gates that we don't feel like we can even hide anything from you hiding is something of the garden when sin's involved Lord, and we don't want, you've redeemed that. You've redeemed that through your son. You've, you've given us access into your presence once again that we no longer need to hide. Lord, so I think our, my heart's cry is, Lord, would you help me to know you? And through that knowing, experience life with you, 
and abundant life with you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.